Put that in. Put that singing in. <laughs> Hold on. What's love got to do? Got to do with it. Ow! Who sings What's that What's the next song? line? Tina Turner. What's the next line? No, Same thing. No. What's love got to do? But a second-hand emotion. But a second-hand emotion. <laughs> Not a second-hand oh. in motion. What is it? It's a second-hand emotion. A second-hand <laughs> emotion. I- it's a song about a watch. <laughs> Did you now you're confident. listen? Did you say a second hand? I don't know the words e- of the song. E- that's what he said. Love is hey. an, love is an emotion. What's what's love a but second. a second hand in motion? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to another episode of Rocky Unscripted. This is a podcast where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. The past few weeks we've been talking about the values that define us. And this week we're talking about love, specifically when it comes to our motivation, the way we treat people, the way we serve people, the way we talk about Jesus, what motivates us to do those things. Well, today I sit down with our campus pastors, Matt and Amanda, and we talk about all this in a really, really candid way, which is what we always do. We want this to be unscripted and more like a conversation than a Sunday morning. Uh, But let me also add this. If this is a podcast that's been helpful to you in any way, We'd really appreciate it if you'd share it. Copy the link wherever you're listening. Send it to someone that needs to hear it. Share it on social media. All these ways really help us spread this podcast. And if you do that, we'd be forever grateful. And without any more delay, let's dive into the conversation about L-O-V-E. Matt. My, what? Vanessa yells at me all the time for saying, singing the wrong words to songs. Listen. Goes, Not how it goes. <laughs> Yeah. Is love um, an emotion or emotion? A secondhand emotion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Secondhand. It is my privilege. What's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> to sit down with Matt and Amanda. Oh, man. It's been too long, guys. It's been, I don't know, two, three weeks. At something least. like that. I wasn't on the last episode. It kind of hurt me. I wasn't yeah. on the last episode either. Believe it or not, that is the most listened episode we have. <laughs> That's great. That's not true. That's not true. Not yet. Not yet. Guys, thanks for sitting down. We are talking about one of our values at our church because we're in this series right now that we're talking about our values. So let me ask you this. Why are, we, why, do we, why are we doing a series about our values? Why is that important? Well, the tagline for the beginning of every week has... You know, we've kind of said values drive behavior. Yeah. And, you know, some of us aren't behaving right. <laughs> I think <laughs> Matt just motioned at me. <laughs> I think so, that was directed at you. So, yeah. no, it's just a good reminder of uh, values. I, I've been saying values are like the guardrails. They keep you going in the right direction, thinking about the the, the most important things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's good. Usually every year as a church, we, we teach through these just to, you know, Stay up to date. Absolutely. Keeps yeah. us focused, uh-huh. going in, in one direction. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a good series. This last Sunday, you talked about a value that we call love. Love. <laughs> Which I, I was kind of poking fun at it earlier because it's like it's a church, right? <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah. of course, there's going to be love involved. Right. But, but why do we say that it's a value? Why, do, why is it one of the, the six values that we embrace? Yeah, I always bring up, you know, John 13, 34, and 35. I mean, Jesus always talking uh, with his guys um, about the idea of love. And then, you know, right before he's crucified, he, he sa- essentially says to him, this is the most important thing. How you love people uh, is going to be the number one filter for determining if you're actually a disciple of Jesus. Um, 
so it should be. I mean, I, I even said on Sunday, like, this is probably the most important value. Mm. How you love people is a really, really big deal to Jesus. Yeah. And um, should be then, in turn, a really, really big deal for us. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of how we measure how well we're doing mm-hmm. following Jesus. And I think Jesus would say, well, how you doing loving people? Yeah. Um, so it should be a, a big discussion for us. And an even bigger discussion of that topic is you look at churches, and I think there are a lot of things that motivates motivate churches uh, to, to behave like they do. Maybe they want to be a big church. Maybe they want to feel important. Maybe they want, you know what I mean? Say so they want to raise a lot of money, build buildings. There's a lot of different motivations, but what you're saying is our biggest motivation needs to be love. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to get off course. Yeah, and I always, I've said this to plenty of people who will come in and ask me a question about something about church, religion, or God. And, and and a lot of times it's because they want to go have a discussion with somebody else. Mm. And I always remind them to say, hey, you can go have that discussion, but when but when you walk away from from that discussion, the other person on the other side of you better go, I don't agree with what they said, but I think they love me. Mm. Like yeah. that's how core it should be. Uh, Jesus was able to have really tough discussions, but I think the people that were around him were surprised. Mm-hmm. That he loved him. That's huge because otherwise, it's uh, if you if you're if you feel like you're being grilled by some an opinion that you have, right? It's like this relationship is going to hinge on how I answer this question. Yes, as opposed to no, they love me, so it, it's not tied. My our relationship is not tied to how I answer this question. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Amanda, I know Matt was talking about this on Sunday, but I know that you value this as well. And we often say around here that a church. Uh, should welcome people that are nothing like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And could you explain what that even means? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that's a big question. So why should we be a church that welcomes people that are nothing like Jesus? I think that's what Jesus did. And so obviously, if the most loving thing we can do is to invite people into our relationship with Jesus, to know who he is, I think we have to exhibit that. What does that look like? What does it look like to be like him? And going back to what Matt said about... Um, I mean, he calls us to love one another, and that's what it looks like to to love people who aren't like us. And for us, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's people that we don't know him. I love what Matt always says. We have this expectation of people who don't know Jesus (laughs) that they should be acting like they do know Jesus. Mm. And so I think we have that expectation when they walk in the church. Like, just because you're walking in the church, you should be acting it. Are walking in acting like, hey, I know what to do. I know how to act. Mm -hmm. I know who this guy is. I think we want to be a church that's like, hopefully people are walking in who know nothing yeah. and we're showing them something. Mm-hmm. So, I remember the church I grew up with uh, or grew up in. If you just wore a hat inside that building, Mm-mm. get out. Mm-mm. No, you did not. Jesus didn't wear hats. Mm-mm. No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here. But we do, it, 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 I think it's the most natural human thing to do is say we want to surround ourselves with people that look just like us. At least that we think look like us. So it's very countercultural inside of churches to say, no, no, no. We want to welcome, not just allow them to, to be here, but welcome people that aren't like us, that yeah. are not like Jesus. We're, we're excited, right? Because they're close. I, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's extremely messy. Yeah, there's a lot and, of tension there. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I remember this one time. I won't tell the whole story, but we've got this... Um, great basketball program here at Rocky. And um, I remember this one time, and Amanda pretty much 
is at the top, you know, the leadership of that with some other folks and uh, overseer. And um, we we had somebody on our staff, a couple of people getting really upset with how the building was looking like mm. after a Saturday. Because people, not all the people were treating the building like you and I would treat the building. So it was looking rough? It was rough. Oh, okay. I mean, toilets were breaking. <laughs> I mean, it's a little like, rough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just all kind of stuff. And this person was really freaking out. And they were really attacking the program. Mm -hmm. And I remember just like saying, hey, you, we should expect this. There's thousands of people coming through our building on a Saturday morning. A lot of them don't know Jesus. And they're going to treat this building just like they would treat, you know, a a bathroom at the park, you know, mm -hmm. like, like they don't, they don't see necessarily the value in it that we do. And so it stuff's going to break and, and we're, we're, we should be able, we're not going to cancel the program because a toilet broke. <laughs> I know it's inconvenient. Yeah. I know, like, I know we want to keep the upkeep of the building and, and we want it to look nice, mm -hmm. but not everyone here is going to have the same values that we do. Yeah. And we got to be okay with that and, and expect some of that to happen. But it does. It gets messy. There's tension in that. One of my favorite stories, going off the basketball thing a little bit, even, even last year, um, I think Matt coaches in the basketball league. I do. But one of the things I love about Jen Moyers, who does run the basketball program, we had a kid last year who's going down the court, and he was cussing. And I think one of the refs went to, to her and was like, hey, that kid's cussing. She's like, good. That's the kid that we want here. That's mm -hmm. why we do this. But sometimes as church people, as Christians, we, we want to be like, that. that is not right. Right. We forget that, no, mm. that's why we do what we like, do. Get that, that out of here. Yes. We're in church. <laughs> we love Jesus. That kid can't be in here cussing. Yeah. And instead it's like, no, that's why that kid is here. We want uh, that kid here. Was that Good. Was that Nick's kid? I think it was. Nick's it was all kid. my kids. Dang, dude. <laughs> Potty mouths. We'll wash them out with soap. Yeah. It's okay. Yes. We'll no take kid, care no, of it. No, next kids, those kids are those Jesus kids, right? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Those PKs. That's right. Okay, so another category is uh, one thing you said, Matt, is we should be a church where doubters are free to express their doubt. Yeah. And I think anyone that hears that is like, oh, man, that's beautiful. But what kind of tension does that create in a church? Um. It it creates an environment where what you're saying is like, hey, we're free to disagree. And you're also free to come in and maybe even voice some of your unbelief. I mean, Sean has been saying this for quite a few years, like you can you can belong here before you believe. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, then this then our church has to be a place where, you know, people who are still on a journey of discovering who God is and who Jesus is, and maybe they don't believe it. But I hope we're a church that those people are still welcomed. Yeah. Uh, isn't this where you would want them to be? Um, to be able to ask questions. And, you know, I listen, I love the church I grew up in. You talked about your church. I mm -hmm. look back at the church I grew up in. It did a lot of things well. But, again, this this kind of vibe or this culture, you didn't ask questions. The pastor was up there, and he preached his sermon, and you took it, and and you walked away. It just, it just, you didn't do that. And I love, I love it when when people go, "Hey, can we connect?" And I just want to ask you a couple of things. Mm -hmm. I love that because when people are asking questions, that's when you're learning. And I love people that are asking questions. And I made the joke like, I don't have all the answers, and neither, you know, neither do you guys. Mm -hmm. And that we should be creating an environment where people are, are safe and free to do that. And, um, and I do, I think, I think we are a church where people can engage in those kind of conversations. Mm -hmm.
Anything you'd add, Amanda? No, it's funny. I, I think about that from a personal side. Um, I've been at Rocky for a long time. My kids grew up here, grew up in the church. And I think sometimes when you grow up in the church, you think that you can't ask those questions. Yeah. Um, like I have doubts just because my parents, for my kids, it was just like, just because my mom works at the church, just because my mom's a Christian, that doesn't mean that they didn't have questions to ask. And I think they were allowed to ask those here. Mm-hmm. Um, say, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know what I believe. I don't know how to study the Bible right unnecessarily. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we want to be a church that no matter if you are coming in new or you've grown up here yeah. or that you can, you can ask those questions, you can have doubts. I think the, the other caveat to that that's, that is difficult is we like things that are uh, kind of linear as far as like things are better now than they were before, even when it comes to our own faith or our own stories. I used to be a mess and I'm not as much of a mess today. Mm. So when it comes to doubts and it, and it comes to behaviors, it's so much more acceptable to say, I used to have doubts about Jesus, but now my faith is strong. How do you, how do you be a church where it's okay when it's like my faith used to be strong and now I'm going through a really difficult time, maybe because of life circumstances, mm-hmm. Because uh, that's that's messy, right? That that creates tension because we just want to be surrounded with people that's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm strong. I'm an encourager to you, encouragement to you. So how do we handle that? How 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 does how do we maintain a? We're a little off topic, but how do we maintain a, a, a kind of a safe place for people to say, I'm struggling with something new that I didn't struggle with before. It's funny that you say that. I don't, I don't know. I have an that I have an answer right away, okay. but I think over the past few weeks I've met with some people who just because of what we're going through right now, just of all the things happening mm-hmm. in the world and a little bit of craziness have been in that place of I don't want to just hear the answer like pray harder, have more faith, you know, whatever. Love people better. Like that's going to be the answer to my doubts about what God's doing in my life or the, my doubts about um faith. And so you're right. I think a lot of people ask that question right now. Like mm-hmm. I, I do have a relationship with him. I do love Jesus, but what does it look like that I'm, I'm doubting what's going on right now in my life? Mm-hmm. You, you can't point to one follower of Jesus who hasn't doubted. Mm. When you read the gospels, all those guys doubted. Yeah. And, and even thought about walking away. Um, Jesus dies. Mm-hmm. They, they doubted came back from the dead they doubted i i think doubt is a is a rhythm of our of our relationship with jesus there's going to be seasons that are tough and with that um come come doubts and i mean if we if any of us today had some kind of you know unfortunate tragedy where a close loved one died yeah or something would happen to one you know god forbid it happened to our kids we wouldn't be getting up tomorrow and just be going praise god yeah. We'd be struggling yeah. um, because we're human. Mm-hmm. And I think there is something there that I go, I, I hope my faith is strong enough to endure, but you better believe there's going to be moments that are going to be extremely difficult um, and doubts will, will rise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like I said, we got a little off topic, but I think where it kind of comes together is you were talking about to, to our church saying, hey, we, if we're believers— and we're looking at life and realize how stinking hard life is. Yeah. And yet we we have Jesus in our life. We have the Holy Spirit in our life that can bring peace, that can bring guidance, and, and then add on top of that community 
Can you imagine trying to navigate life and you don't have any of this? Yeah. So that led you to say, uh, I think the, the statement behind that value of love is, is uh, we think that the, the most loving thing that we can do for others is to invite them to know Jesus better. Yeah. That's the most loving thing. Yeah. So when it comes to our church, that often means inviting them to come to church with us or to our church. Yeah. But you were talking about how one of the number one things that, that keeps us from sharing about Jesus is not necessarily this fear. It's being distracted. Yeah. Yeah. I th- it's a distraction, I think, and then slash like time. Yeah. We're so busy and and we're going from point A to point B. You know, I was joking about the, you know, my house, we're like a bus station. I mean, we're just picking up, dropping off and trying to get it right every single day. And and I just, you know, I use a story, you know, and, and John just with the woman at the well and and she had a conversation with Jesus for 15 minutes and then she just started inviting everybody to come and talk to him. And I think sometimes we feel like these conversations with people about Jesus have to be these like deep three hours of coffee, you know, getting into the theology of the existence of God, you know, all this stuff. And I go, um, I don't, I don't think so. I think you're, you're, you're on the hook for the invitation to come and see, to come and hear. And that may be a conversation with you, or it may be just be the, a simple invitation. Hey, you should come sit with me at my church. Mm. And because we all know that life is difficult, there's always going to be something in your life that probably could be better or isn't going well, or mm-hmm. there's tension. And that presents itself in, in ways that are, I think are easy invitations for people to come and come and see, come and hear. And I think a lot of times we just, we're so busy, we don't have time for that. You know, I didn't exactly say this, but I don't think we're too busy mm-hmm. not to give an invitation for somebody yeah. to, to come and sit with us. If we're that busy, then there's probably something wrong. But I don't know if we're thinking about that mm-hmm. as we're going about our day mm-hmm. and the people that we're engaging with. I think it's pretty simple. You know, hey, you should come sit with me at my church. That that took me three seconds. Yeah. And you were saying, it's not just, hey, you should come to my church sometime. There was something unique about saying, I want you to join me. Yeah, come sit, sit with, me. with me. Yeah. I mean, I'm putting you on the spot, but over the years, you raised five kids, very busy person. Mm-hmm. Has it been difficult for you? Like, what has it been like in, in sharing about your faith or inviting people to come to your church? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I would say I live in both camps. I think that there is a little bit of that distraction piece. Yeah. I think it's easy to um, it's easy to just go about your business and not take the time to have the conversation. I think probably too. It's funny. I working at the church for all twenty years that I have. Most of the time, I mean, what do people say to you when you meet them for the first time? What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and so when you say I work at the church, you know that you're getting into that conversation right away. So I think that I think there's two com- there's two sides of this conversation. There's the distraction conversation and just regular busyness of life and running kids and doing all the things that we're doing. There's another side of the conversation in working at the church and knowing that as soon as you say I'm a pastor at the church or you, as soon as you say I work at the church, there's an expectation from those people right away that what you're going to do is invite them mm-hmm. to come to the church or that you have an expectation from them. Um, I mean, we moved two years ago, met the neighbor next to me, course right away his name is Rick he's like hey Amanda what do you do 
And I was like, I work at the church. And he's like, hey, I mean, we're, we're probably going to have some family gatherings. Like, we have some parties. We won't be too loud. We don't drink too much. Yeah. I'm like, dude, it's okay. Yeah. I'm not judging you. You're good. But isn't that interesting to the, the point of our conversation? He finds out that you work at a church. His immediate thought is this person is not going to be happy with me. Yes. Because of the way I'm living my life. Yeah. yeah, he thinks, I, yeah, I mean, his. that's why I'm saying you're immediately in the conversation. And it's like, how are you going to love me? And is it only related to, are you going to invite me to church right yeah. away? Do you know me? And so I think the important part of the two sides of those conversation is what Matt brought up. It's the investing part. So it is inviting, but I think it's investing first. And that that is a big thing, I think, for you. you got to show love in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to love them, even if they do have a big party? And yeah. whatever happens, I still love you enough that I, at some point relationally, I'm going to invite you to come sit with me. Yeah. Practically, what does investing look like? I I think it's uh, li- living in such a way that the person goes, uh, Nick cares about me. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it could be meals, it could be coffees, it could be the invitation to come over and watch the sports game. Mm-hmm. I think when you... When you decide, like, hey, I'm going to be pretty close to this person over a period of time. This is kind of what I was saying on Sunday. There will be a moment when there's difficulty in that person's life. And they're going to, they're probably going to say something. Like, man, I can't believe, da, 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 or I'm dealing with this. Or, I kept using the example of marriage or raising kids. And I think, there you go. I mean, that's the opportunity, right? And, and you can be like, yeah, marriage is tough. Mm-hmm. Raising kids is tough. You know, yeah, the job scene right now, it is tough. And, and um, you know, and you can go, and you want to get it right, don't you? Mm-hmm. Me too. And I'm, you know, hey, just something that's helped me is church. Church has helped me with that. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested, man, I'd love for you to come sit with me at my church. We just want to be a church that helps. I, But that's going to take time. My odds are the first time you meet somebody, you know, that's that weird and creepy part, and I make fun <laughs> of that all the time, of someone just knocking on the door and inviting you somewhere, you know, because you don't know how to answer the question where you're going to go when you die. Yeah, 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 because you, you talked about that, of the investment is different yeah. than maybe what some of us, that if we've, if we've grown up in church for a long time, there were, like, key questions that we were taught to ask, and that's one of them. Yeah. If you were to die today, do you know that you would spend eternity in heaven? Which I think the intention behind that question is really, really good, yeah. right? It's like I, I do care about people, and I want them to feel like they have a peace about the future, right? But but why do you feel like that is kind of broken down over time? Well, yes. You can say, yeah, I care about people. This would be an argument like somebody who, you know, was— I mean, we taught people to evangelize like this yeah. 40 years ago in the church. That's how my parents were taught, and— it's like, well, if you care about people, then this is, and I kept saying on, even on Sunday, like, hey, our approach matters. Yeah. Mm. And you look at Jesus's approach, he, he communicated to that woman at the well, I know you. Mm-hmm. And, and he can do that because he's Jesus. He doesn't have to have her tell the whole story. But what he was saying to her was, I know you, and I still want to be close to you. And, um, you know, when we had Alan Algram on here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about covenant groups. One of the things in my covenant groups we say before we share with one another about what's going on in our life, it's a reminder. We, there's this rabbi who said, how can you say you love me if you don't know what hurts me? 
Yeah. It, it's just idea. Like, hey, if I really love you, then I'm going to get to know you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to know your story. And there's power in that, right? And so Jesus' approach with this woman who's nothing like him is, hey, I know your story. You've got some behaviors that aren't good, and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And it changed that woman's life. And so I think in our approach with people, you know, I, I guess you can go knock on someone's door and, and ask them if they know where they're going to go when they die. I just don't think that communicates, I know you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no. And, no. and I'm not, sh- and, I, and the motive might even be pure in that person. Like, man, I really care about people and I, because of my theology of where, what happens after you die. But I know when people have engaged like that with me, you know, at my front door, all I want to do is get as far away yes. from that conversation as possible. Mm-hmm. I need you to leave as fast as, as you can. That's right. And yeah. so, again, when, when you just decide, I have a coworker, I have a neighbor, there's always just going to be opportunities to continue to get to know them and to know the story. And you'll know if you're going in the right direction because I do think eventually you will go into conversations about difficulties of life. And so if you never get there, then no, you're not engaging or approaching in such a way. That's probably how you should be. Yeah. Right? Because I share things with people who I think care about me. And and then that leads to other, other discussions. I, I was just going to say, I think that investing part too looks like um, as much as asking what's their story and, and getting that, it's taking time to share our story. Mm. I mean, I think for me beyond like, hey, where do you work? What do you do? It's like, am I going to invest time to tell them, hey, I was messy. And the reason that I want to invite you to come and sit with me at my church is because I was messy. This is what Jesus did in my life. So what's my story? How did it change my life? And why do I even want to invite you into that? And that takes time. It takes time for us to invest not only hearing theirs, but giving ours. Sometimes it's just easier not to. You're like, oh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes time. It takes a lot of effort. And so I think it's a choice that we have. Also, I, I see the value in what you're saying of, of understanding your own story. Mm-hmm. And if if I feel like I've lived a really good, clean life and haven't needed a whole lot of grace from God, I'm not going to be super gracious to the people around me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you, the, what you just described was, I know my story and I was a mess, but the grace of God plus community in my life and I'm better off now. And I want you to have that too. It's it that comes from a place of humility and a place of love, yeah. as opposed to, I just need you to say you're a Christian, mm-hmm. so that I achieve something. Don't <laughs> get me started, bro. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So Matt, you mentioned it before that you were talking about the woman at the well in this uh, story. Where is it in the in John? Right? Yeah, John chapter four. John chapter four. John chapter four. So Jesus has this interaction with the woman at the well, and you talked about that. Well, then the disciples get involved as well because they come back and find Jesus talking to this woman. They're a bit confused. They're also, you said, they're really hungry. It's all about lunch. (laughs) They're all about lunch right now. Yeah. So they're really focused on, like, we got to get some food. Someone needs to get food to Jesus. And he's just like, guys, you're missing it right now. Yeah. And then you you, you talk about him. He, he, He teaches them something at the end of this this conversation he's talking about the harvest can you unpack that a little bit yeah i think he he says that if you're you know open your eyes you're you're missing what's happening right now there's a there was a life-changing conversation going on um but you were too busy you're too busy to see it because of some cultural things because of food and if you would open your eyes you would see 
the opportunities that are in front of you um, for the sake of the gospel. And that's really where I, where I pull the idea of we're, we're so distracted. We don't really view our day like that. We've got stuff to do. We've got kids to pick up and drop off. And I, I just, again, was posing the question, I wonder if there's just so many people that would love an invitation to, to hear a story that could change their life. We're too busy to see it because, you know, you know to, to leverage the story, we're hungry mm-hmm. for other things. And Jesus made it a point to say, no, I'm not too busy to chat with this lady right here. And, um, and it, changed, it changed her life. Um, and so, you know, Jesus says, hey, look, look at the harvest, right? It, it's a big harvest. It just needs workers. Mm-hmm. It needs people who have their eyes open um, and can be mindful of the people around them who, yeah. who need to hear the story. And that, that is definitely a different perspective to have because it's easy to look at our, our, our culture, our society, and I think no matter what your background, no matter what your beliefs, you would probably look at our society and be like, man, we are messed up. <laughs> and I think a lot of people would say in the kind of the Christian tr- tradition is, man, it's never been this bad. And this, you know, we're going to hell in a handbasket. And it's just this heavy, really, really negative viewpoint. Mm-hmm. When you bring this up, what Jesus is saying is saying, no, 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 this is good. Meaning there are so many people yeah. that need Jesus. There's so many people that need that hope. Why are we looking at it so negatively? Why aren't we looking at it as like, hmm, the problem is not with the harvest. The problem is with the workers. Yeah, because you think mm-hmm. about the mentality of the the original thing that you were saying there. That person's creating distance. There's them and there's us. And this whole thing is going, you know, is going bad because of them. Yeah, they're ruining it. That's right. <laughs> and and see, this is what's world. This is what's wrong with it. They're you know. breaking the toilets. There you go. <laughs> We're creating distance. Like if there, you know, if there wasn't them, and then it's like, guys, the whole mission of the church, the whole mission of the life of Jesus was to be close to those people. And I'm putting yeah. in quotes, you know, mm-hmm. those people um, who are nothing like him. And, and that's what he's teaching his disciples. And they're thinking, he shouldn't be chatting with this woman. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. It's the middle of the day. It's time to eat. And he's going, no, that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here specifically to have this conversation. Um, and, and I think we can all fall into that trap. You know, those people are making my life difficult. And then you read the gospel, and it's like Jesus came not just for my people, but all people. And we've got to be reminded of that. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the call is keep your eyes open. Look for the opportunities to make much of Jesus. There's probably a lot more in our day than we realize. Mm. Amanda, there might be some people that hear this kind of message and, and see this kind of value and say, really, you just want to grow the church to be big. <laughs> and uh, why do you, what would you say to those people? And, and maybe why do you think they struggle with that? Yeah, it's funny. Is um, a couple thoughts on that. First of all, it was one of the things that I love that Matt said on on Sunday because it is easy. I was getting fired up a little. bit. You were getting fired up a little bit, but I love it because it's true. And while you were just talking in a minute ago, I want to go back to that really quick. It's funny because I think that's the issue inside the church. We we come into the church, us church people, we get comfortable with what's going on yeah. here, right? And we begin to want things to be right for us, and we forget that they need to be for the people that are walking in that do not know mm. Jesus. That's what this is about. 
And that's where you get tension in like programs we create, things we do mm-hmm. or don't do, um, because we get really inward focused and we forget to look at, hey, what do those people need? It's it's part of that. We want to be close to the people <laughs> that are out there. We want to be close to those people, as Matt said in quotes, but we want to be comfortable in our own yeah. thing. And so we don't really want to be close to those people. So I think that all lumps into us growing the church too. It's like people, they want things to be a certain size. Like I like it this way because it's comfortable yeah. for me. Um, and it's kind of like when we were talking about discipleship this morning, uh, Matt and I and Sean were having a conversation about that. And we can look at through the lens that discipleship becomes very much about us and we get inward focused. And it's like, that's not, I don't think that's what the intention of it was. It was about those people that we're talking about and discipleship is a part of that. So, I mean, I think, yeah, it, it's interesting how we view it and what we what we don't do the right way mm-hmm. in the context of that. Yeah, this isn't a race to see who can memorize the most of the Bible. That's not what discipleship is, although I think it's great that we memorize Scripture. I mean, Jesus was clear. This is a, a story for the world to hear. And sometimes I wonder if a lot of Christians, you know, how they view, you know, evangelism or the call to, to reach more people if, if the church 2,000 years ago had the, a similar view to what a lot of us hold today, we probably wouldn't be sitting here as followers of Jesus. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a global deal. We have stories in the New Testament of thousands of people coming to a conclusion of who Jesus is in a day. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're excited about it because of the mission that God had called them to. And I don't know if we always see it like that. Know if we feel that, and it is easy to develop our, you know, our little huddles, and yeah, and we like how we want it, and and don't mess with it, mm-hmm. right? Don't mess with it, and Jesus messed with the whole thing, you mm-hmm. know, for the sake of again, you know, reaching people all over, all over the world. Yeah, I mean, gro- that growth should be exciting. I mean, yeah. that means that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but not you a- had to think too. And I know there's little little stories here and there in the New Testament, but those disciples, on one hand, it's like, you know, hundreds and then thousands of people coming to faith. They probably looked back and said, man, it was pretty cool when there was just 12 of us hanging out with Jesus. You know, like that we felt we had an inside scoop. This is totally me speculating because of human nature. And I know how humans think. And it just, you always have to embrace that tension because, you know, just, uh, was it last week or the week before we talked about, hey, community is important. Mm-hmm. You need to build relationships. Okay, so what happens? Build relationships. You you gain more and more friends in your community. What is threatening to that? Needing to reach out beyond that circle of friends yeah. and connect with, with new people at the church. That threatens that very community that I just tried to build. Yeah, I didn't have time to talk about it on Sunday, but this is th- there was tension with the early church. Um, I was chatting with Sean, and I think a few, maybe it was with you guys a couple of days ago, but talking about it took the church almost 25 years after Jesus dies and comes back from the dead when they really start getting serious about reaching Gentiles, mm-hmm. and they're not, and yeah. they're, and they're not even really sure if they're like having these councils in Jerusalem. We're like, can a Gentile really be a Christian? <laughs> and you know, they're like, I don't. I don't like you know, this <laughs> because they're reaching, they're reaching, you know, thousands of Jews. Yeah. Right. But then they're like, wh- and they're like, what do they want them to do? They want them to get circumcised. Oof. And, and, you know, so it's <laughs> salvation through circumcision, which imagine knocking yeah. on someone's door and being like, 
hey, hey. Do, you, do you know where you're going to go when you hey. die? You want to get circumcised? <laughs> um, but they're actually like, like the, like the spiritual leaders are like, tell me a story about a, a, a Gentile who, who believes in God. And, you know, Paul and all these guys are like, there's this dude. I think he had the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and he was a Gentile. And they're like, well, maybe, yeah. you know, it's like Jesus said he came for the Jew and the Gentile. Yeah. But I think it is something. And they still struggled and for decades. And they still struggled, you know, for 20-some 20, 20 years. And then they start branching out of Jerusalem. And eventually this thing becomes global. But that's in us, right? Mm-hmm. And for us mm-hmm. to be aware of that is powerful for us to go, hey, my natural lean is probably towards my people, my way. And when somebody messes with it, my initial reaction is usually, whoa, I don't know if I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... And yet the gospel says, hey, I think we should be doing, I mean, Sean says this all the time, we should be doing everything short of sinning to reach one more person Mm -hmm. with the story of Jesus. And I don't know how much of my life I actually live like that. And that's a good conversation for all of us to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's not a lot other to say than that. It's good. Good reminders for all of us. I think the other thing just I think is helpful for us is, um, you know, we talk about the, the invitation. I do think there's a lot of people that are really nervous maybe to share their faith. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're about to head to Kenya in a month, and we're talking about home visits, and a lot of people on the team are very nervous about sharing the story of Jesus. They've so, not, so this is where you go into people's homes yeah, in Kenya? Okay. Yeah, and, you know, we'll ask them, hey, is it okay if we share Jesus with you? Uh, a lot of the people on our team have never shared yeah. the story of Jesus with somebody. And so we're going through that training, you know, and people are always freaking out. And I think this is a good reminder. Um, we've been watching the um, the series, The Chosen, with mm-hmm. our kids. If you haven't seen, you should watch it. It's good. And um, and we were watching like an extra, like behind the scenes interview with the with the director. And he said this um, quote last night. I was just watching it last night, and he said, um, "Behind the scenes, what I've been reminded of is I'm not on the hook to feed the five thousand. I'm on the hook to bring the, the loaves and the fish. Mm. I bring my best, and then I let God do mm. what God does. And I think it's a good reminder for us. And I said this on you know on Sunday with the lady at the well. You don't all have you don't have to know everything to share something. Say it again. You don't have to you don't have to know everything to share something. And we, you don't need to have all the answers. Yeah, there's just really one thing you need, and that is do you. Do you know Jesus? Mm-hmm. That's all of our story. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus changed my life. You got a story. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the answers for everything. Yeah. And and you're, you can't save people. I can't save people. But what I can do is invite them to come in here and come and see something that changed my life. So for some people, it, it could be enough just to say, hey, man, I can't explain God and, and Jesus, um, you know, I, I can't argue, you know, is he is he real and all? I can't prove it to you. I just know it's been really helpful for me. Yeah, that might be enough. And and I go and then see what God does. Yeah. Yes. Like I I think sometimes we we make discipleship this fifty step, you know, program. We literally do. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's like I I don't know if we're, that's what we're on the hook for. Right. I think we're on the hook to love people well. Mm-hmm. And to get to know people who some are like us and some who aren't. 
and and when appropriate, invite them into hearing and understanding a story that changed our life. We may not get it all right. We may not have all the questions. And in the midst of that, that's where God does, I think, some of his best work. Yeah. And sometimes I, I don't always have an answer for you. I just believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that if people would choose to get close to him, they will experience something that I did. And that's part of faith. And, um, but I think sometimes we get so worked up, yeah. you know, and I go, Hey, just invite them. Yep. Even just maybe to a meal to your house, like see what happens. Um, and then be a good neighbor and friend. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you start. Love them. You know, we've not been called to judge them. Love them. Yeah. Be close to them. Be okay with some of the, the mess and the differences and cause Jesus was, you know, we should be too. Yeah, I mean, I think um, all of that I totally agree with. I think for me, anytime I'm speaking or sharing or just have an opportunity, just a reminder, share your story. (laughs) Share what God's doing in your life and share the truth of the gospel. And I mean, I just don't think you you can't go wrong. There's not not a lot of other expectation. The little things in between, God will take care of that. I think that's a big thing for some of us is I don't want to get it wrong. This is too important. I don't want to say something that's incorrect about God and mess up someone's potential to, to come to faith. But what you're saying is you can't stop thinking about it that way. You can't mess up your story. Yeah. You can't mess up the truth about what God's doing in your life and the truth of the gospel. So it's like stick to those three things and then get out of the way. Like let God do the rest. I love nothing gets me more amped up when before uh, a Sunday we, we get into services and somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I've been inviting so-and-so for months or years. And they texted me today and they said they were coming. And there's just something inside of me that's like game on. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the best message I can. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, know, I know that person who's offered the invitation is so engaged mm-hmm. in what is happening that morning. I, I want to do my best, and it just gets me fired up. And I don't always get to interact with all those stories, but I know that here at Rocky, every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. Absolutely. And, man, that gets me pumped that this Sunday somebody's going to walk into one of our services for the, for the first time. And I love that. And I think this past Sunday was a reminder, we want more of those stories. Mm-hmm. Let's be people that are investing and inviting people to come in here a story that changed our life that can change their life. And, um, you get to have some amazing parties, mm-hmm. you know, and celebrate what God does in the midst of all that. Yep. Yeah. Love it. It's good to go through these values that we, we hold as a church and uh, looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Next week, we're talking about humility, which everyone loves I to am, talk about. And I'm so humble. <laughs> Are you uh, having me on next week to talk about humility? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, oh, okay. No, <laughs> we, uh, we're flying in some experts. Oh, okay. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show today, guys. Thanks, Nick. It was great. Love you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. And we'll catch you next time.